Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Let's start by wishing each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. On today's Visitor's Edition, we are joined once again this year by Tim May. He is the senior beat writer covering the Buckeyes for over 40 years. Before he joins us, though, my view from Section 17 to get us started. I've been reading and watching a lot of coverage on this game, and very few people give us a chance on Saturday, which is also why people are drawing parallels between this game and the historic upset in 1969. Now, I'm not sure that is fair, but here is the bottom line. We've lost 16 of the last 18 games to these guys. I'm sick of it, you're sick of it, and Jim Harbaugh and his team, I am certain, are sick of it. This has to end. They have dominated this series over the last 18 years from a win-loss perspective. Many of the games, though, have been more than competitive. I know how good Ohio State is. Just ask them and they'll tell you too, as well as most of the national media. We just have to find a way to win this game on Saturday. It's time. It's way past time, actually. Let's hope this is the team that finally says, this is it, this is the day, no more, it's in our house, and we are not going to lose. My guest today says this team could be the most balanced he's seen in the over 40 years he's covered Ohio State. Are they the best? He's not sure but he thinks they're good enough to beat us this Saturday. Tim May joins us next here on The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew. So stay with us.
Here with us on our Visitor's Edition, back this year, I should say, is uh, Tim May, formerly of the Columbus Dispatch, who covers the Buckeyes. And Tim, you retired right around this time last year, sort of, but you are still Uh, keeping busy with your own podcast, aren't you? Yeah, I'm on LettermanRoad.com with a podcast, and I've got a pretty good one this week. As a matter of fact, I've got uh, former Ohio State quarterback Craig Krenzel and uh, former tight end Ben Hartsock, who were part of that 2001 team, who, as I so uneloquently put it, turned the oil tanker around, you know, that was <laughs> Ohio State versus Michigan, and now it's been plowing forward in a, in the different direction. You know, Ohio State going, what, 16-2 and two over the last mm-hmm. uh, over the last 18 games as opposed to 2-10-1 over the previous 13. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty good. I've got Angelique Shingelis, a good friend of yours, also on the podcast, uh, talking about Michigan, and it's misfortunes and then fortunes this year. Craig Krenzel, uh, a Utica, Michigan kid. So, yes, you're right. He he was part of that uh, big turnaround for Ohio State. Heck of a good quarterback. Big part of it. Big part of it. He was first time ever starting as a quarterback was in the big house against Michigan in 2001. And, you know, not that he was the superstar of the game, but he did make help make mm-hmm. things happen. But Michigan also helped make things happen with some uh, <laughs> unfortunate turnovers and things like that. Yeah. But it's funny, man. Just when you think you know what a series is all about, it goes the other direction. And that's what this one clearly has done over the last 18 years. Well, looking at this Ohio State team, though, uh, Tim, I I think most of us knew before the year uh, they were loaded up with talent, uh, how that would roll out with first-year head coach Ryan Day. We didn't know. I guess the big question, though, was how would Justin Fields fit in? Would there be a a, transition period? He looked like he'd been there for years uh, from day one, didn't he? To the trained eye, I guess you know he was he was learning. He's still learning, as that as that matter goes. But <clears throat> the great the thing about a great athlete is they can cover up a lot of warts, <laughs> and yeah. and uh, he did that. I mean, you know, for example, early he was holding the ball too long and on pass plays sometimes and paying the price for it. Little stupid things like that. But his you know, his, you know he runs a four three eight forty yard dash, which is ridiculous speed for a quarterback, and that helped uh, get him out of trouble a few times. Then he also has leaned on an ever-improving offensive line, which has helped him a lot. But you're right, back in the July at the Big Ten meetings, everybody was favorite pick was to pick Michigan to win the Big Ten. And I kept cautioning that I thought Ohio State still had the greater talent supply on hand. Mm-hmm. And Brian Day had already proved himself being a you know a three-game coach during some trying circumstances the year before. And – you got to figure Justin Fields, the more games he got, the better he was going to get. And uh, I'm not saying I was a soothsayer, but <laughs> I do believe the cream has risen to the top in the Big Ten East again because, as you know, Ohio State's already clenched the Big Ten East and is headed to the Big Ten championship game. Well, for perspective, Tim, this team is putting up over 50 points per game, which is absolutely amazing. And I've I've seen a lot of Ohio State offenses through the years. I I don't know statistically has has one ever averaged over fifty points a game at this point of the season. Oh man, I wish you hadn't asked me that trivia question. <laughs> uh, I think last year's was pretty good. Uh, I, 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 they set some records like that, but uh, <clears throat> there were a couple others earlier. But, but you know, this team is just below fifty now, but it still leads the uh, nation in scoring, and and also still leads the nation in defense against the score, and that's what. It's stood out about this team. It's not just the offense, but the defense led by Chase Young and the way they played. But offensively, it's been a much more balanced attack than it was a year ago with Dwayne Haskins Jr. And uh, that's what 
sets this offense apart in my mind is just how it has an answer for almost anything you want to do against it defensively. Well, before the season, uh, you know, at the Big Ten meetings and prior to that, a lot of observers wondered if Ryan Day was ready to be the head coach at Ohio State, great offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. You, you can't ask for a better first year from a head coach, can you? No, and, uh, you know, the interesting part about him is that it's not just him. You know, I've told people this a million times. It's who he went and hired. And uh, Michigan fans, I know, chagrined when he went and hired Greg Madison mm-hmm. and Al Washington Jr. away from Michigan. <clears throat> and Greg Madison is the defensive coordinator, the guy who's really helped turn around that defense. It's done a 180 compared to a year ago. And then couple of that with bringing in Jeff Halfley from the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. as a co-coordinator on defense and the way they played in the, in the back backside of that defense. The way they've coordinated, actually, has been outstanding because last year the two coordinators did not coordinate like that. And uh, one of them is Alex Grinch, who's now the defense coordinator in Oklahoma, and the other is Greg Schiano. That's what impressed me about Rand Day from the jump was who he went and hired. But he went and got Mike Yurcich as the quarterback's coach to replace himself, and that's been a match made in heaven with Justin Fields also. That's what it, you know, it's who you surround yourself with that ultimately makes a difference. Offense, defense, special teams. When I look at this Ohio State team, I cannot find a weakness. It's as complete a team as we've seen in a long time down there, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, I mean, you know, last week against Penn State, they hadn't really had troubles with uh, turnovers this year, and they had three lost fumbles in that game, which really, really – I don't know where you want to call it, dented that game because Ohio State looked to be in control most of the day, and they still win by double figures, 28-17. But that's been the only real fly in the ointment. Uh, you know, they've only <clears throat> they've only trailed in one game this year. That was to go figure Miami of Ohio <laughs> five to nothing, yeah. and they end up winning that game what seventy six to five. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been a complete season for the most part, so far. Now, I watched the game Saturday, the Penn State game, and you're right, the three turnovers, which uh, surprised me. I mean, they have really taken care of the ball well this year. Uh, do you think Penn State was their biggest test so far? Yes, without a doubt. There's the most, uh, as you call it, complete team they've played this year. You know, I say that. I mean, Wisconsin was supposed to be, mm-hmm. was supposed to give them a run for their money, and uh, they handled Wisconsin, you know, 38-7 to or whatever that final score was. But this was a Penn State team with a little bit better passing attack than Wisconsin had, you could argue. Not as good a running attack. Uh, you know, like you said, when it comes to complete, there's only, I think, one true complete team in the Big Ten. But, but a team that's coming, headed clear, quickly in that direction is Michigan, in my opinion. Well, this Saturday, of course, um, a lot on the line. It's the game. We know all about that. We know what's happened over the last 16, 15 years. The Buckeyes have uh, Big Ten championship dreams, playoff dreams. Michigan just wants to get the monkey off their back and beat Ohio State, but not many observers around the country, and I think even up here, think that's possible, Tim. Always look out, man. Just when you think you got to figure it out in the game, stuff happens. I mean, 1969, a great example. When Ohio State entered on a uh, 22-game win streak and having won the national championship, and then Bo Schimbecker gets that team up and they and they upset Ohio State. <clears throat> 1995, Ohio State's undefeated with Eddie George at running back on his way to winning the Heisman Trophy. And all of a sudden, it was the 
it was Tim Biakabatuka Day in Ohio in the Michigan Stadium, and uh, you know, and then 2001, no one really knew what to expect from Ohio State. It was having a um, tough first year under Jim Trussell, but who had vowed it in 310 days when he got the job way back in January. In 310 days, uh, folks, uh, Ohio State people would be proud of his team uh, on the field somewhere else, and uh, no, in the classroom, in the community, but most importantly on the field in mm-hmm. Michigan in Michigan Stadium, and then they got the job done. So, you know, n- never think you know exactly what's going to happen in one of these games because it can flip on you in a heartbeat. I mean, who saw 62-39 to 39 coming last year? Right. <laughs> I right. don't think Michigan did. Well, Saturday's also the day to remember the uh, the 50th anniversary of the, uh, the big Michigan upset of Ohio State, which you just referenced. Uh, right. And a lot of uh, the fan base on both sides, clearly, uh, was not around. So they don't remember just how big that game was and how good Ohio State was that year. It is a game that resonates in both programs 50 years later, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was stunning, actually, because I think Woody was ready to take total control of the series. And uh, Bo Schembechler had other – Bo Schembechler, a former Ohio State assistant under Woody, had other ideas. And, uh, you know, he pointed he pointed toward that game all year, the way I understand it, and then got the job done. And, you know, what really changed things with Ohio State in uh, 2001 was the way – Jim Trussell made it a priority every day that, you know, they put a countdown clock in the, in the uh, weight room for Ohio state players. Every time they're working out, they saw how long it was between then and when they played next played Michigan and, you know, it was on their mind. And, uh, you know, that little bitty uh, tidbit every day, I think paid dividends has paid dividends the last 18 years because the countdown clock is still there. Urban Meyer went along with what Jim Trestle instituted, which was a, a team up north period every day in practice where they do a little something, whether it's uh, extended wind sprints or work on a play or two, uh, where they're always getting ready for you know, what is still the most important game on the calendar. Well, if Michigan finds a way to beat Ohio State this year, would you rank that right up there on a scale of an upset with the 69 game? I don't know, because uh, there's still conjecture especially if the game is close and Ohio State can still make the college football playoff mm-hmm. if, it, in fact, it, it wins next week in Indianapolis. So, you know, that, that win in 69, Ohio State had no bowl to go to, so that was their bowl game because they weren't allowed to go to the Rose Bowl two years in a row back then, as Michigan fans f- found out back in the, uh, you know, back in the later in the 70s about the bowl situation with the Big Ten. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> They're yeah. the ones that got that changed, but, but I digress. Uh, that cost Ohio State a second straight national championship. Uh, this one is more for pride, you think, in the series than anything else. But, you know, this is a – you would think this is almost a desperate situation for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I can't imagine being the head coach at Ohio State or Michigan and going 0-5. I'm trying to remember. I think uh, uh, John Cooper went, let's see, 88, 89, 90, 91. He went 0-4 before – before uh, Ohio State tied Michigan in uh, 1992, or as E. Gordon Gee, then the president of Ohio State, said, this tie is one of our greatest wins ever. You know, eventually you've got to stem the tide. I mean, it's got to mean something to you. I mean, Michigan hasn't played for a Big Ten title under Jim Harbaugh and won't until 
at least next year. So you got to have something, uh, as they'll say, goes to show for it. Well, things do go in cycles. We remember the Cooper years. That was a tough stretch for Ohio State against Michigan, and those were some great Ohio State teams. But did you ever think in all the years you've been around covering this team, Tim, that we'd see one of the rivals dominate the series like this over a 15-year period? No, I mean, you, you think of rivalries, and you think of uh, each team winning every other year. And uh, But what's interesting is one team has dominated 2-10-1 for Ohio State over the uh, Cooper years, mm-hmm. and now another team has dominated 16-2 and over Michigan under the trestle. And, uh, well, Luke Fickle had that one year mm-hmm. under the trestle, Urban Meyer years. And, uh, I mean, stuff happens. You know, I keep remembering uh, – I don't know, I was talking about it on my podcast, you know, the spot when it was several years ago in Ohio Stadium. Who knows how uh, things would have changed if uh, Ohio State had been denied a first down there. Uh, you know, there there have been plays that have been made one way or the other that have made this series lopsided as much as anything else. And not that all the games have been lopsided, but it, the final in the W and the L column has been. Yeah. So we'll see what happens this time. Well, your friend uh, Angelique Shingelis and I recorded a segment yesterday, and we agreed that Michigan has zero room for error in this game and really has to play at a level we have not seen this year. And we also agreed that, you know, despite what's happened over the last 15 years, again, for those of us who uh, have been around a while, it is the game, it is a it is a rivalry game, and really anything still can happen, can it, Tim? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Michigan's got some talent, you know, now – I don't mean to be facetious, but now that they've discovered that Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, for example, are big-time receivers, and Shea Patterson has cranked it up a bit. That second half of the Penn State game, I agree with Jim Harbaugh. It came close to being their finest hour. And, you know, he said that coming out after after halftime. And except for a drop pass in the end zone at the end of regulation, they probably would have tied it. You know, and who knows, because they definitely had the momentum at that point going into overtime. They headed into overtime. You know, we could really be looking at something big time with this Michigan team. With that said, they have won big time since then. So they've definitely discovered this offense they've been talking about but in preseason under Josh Gaddis of uh, getting a little more high tempo, a little more, I don't know, more aggressive, for lack of another term, with a passing game. And, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how big of an upset it would be in terms of the, the way these teams are playing right now. Uh, but obviously, you know, middle early in the week, Vegas has Ohio State's eight and a half, nine point favorite mm-hmm. for the same reasons you delineated earlier in this uh, program. So we'll see how it goes. But you know, never count out the <laughs> never count out the underdog in Ohio State Michigan game. No, and as we've been saying, there really is so much on the line for this game. M- more for Michigan pride I think but for Ohio State we know it's on the board there I was just thinking though if if Michigan wins Ohio State's a one-loss team and they're going to be playing in the Big Ten championship game do you think it's still possible then even if they lost Saturday they could get into the playoffs winning the Big Ten championship game with one loss the one-loss pool is going to be an interesting one-loss pool because it's yeah sort of like unimpressive uh in some respects and then you take into account Alabama which is a Lost its quarterback to a tackle below for the rest of the year. I mean, um, Alabama will, if it beats Auburn on Saturday, will only have 10 wins over FBS schools. I mean, everybody was, 
down there was talking about how they bounced back against Western Carolina. I mean, Western Carolina, this is last week, Western Carolina is not only a bad team, it's one of the worst teams in the FCS, yeah. so that shouldn't even count. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, there will be some hard decisions made if uh, Georgia, you know, if Georgia beats LSU, Georgia will have one loss, but so will LSU, which has maybe the – which has arguably the the more impressive wins uh, this year over quality opponents than like Ohio State. So there will definitely be uh, a conundrum for the for the uh, committee if in fact that kind of stuff happens. Could get interesting, and I'm sure it will in the next couple of weeks. But the last question for you, Tim, and we'll let you get going here. And it might be too early to really ask this question. You've covered Ohio State for a lot of years, and you've seen a lot of really good teams. Again, they have more challenges ahead. Is this team is as good as any as you've watched play? It's the most complete team, I think. I mean, there have been some pretty good ones, man. Mm-hmm. 95 was a damn good team. 96, the next year, was surprisingly a damn good team. As you remember, was favored over Michigan in Ohio Stadium. It got beat 13-9 to after taking a 9-0 lead. I think it was 13-9. And in uh, 98, that was a hell of a team that got upset by Michigan State after taking what a twenty-one to six lead at yeah. one point. Yeah, got beaten Ohio Stadium. I mean, and by complete. I mean, offense, defense, and special teams, and you know the the cavalcade of stars that were on those ninety-five, ninety-six, and ninety-eight teams were ridiculous. Just like in two thousand and two, Ohio State surprised some people by winning that national championship. But man, when you look at the players that were there. And then came back in ninety in two thousand three, all but Maurice Claret, you know, uh, uh, especially on the defensive side with Will Smith and that group. That that was a pretty; those were pretty, pretty damn good teams. But ninety five with Orlando Pace at left tackle, Andy George, at, you know, at uh, running back, and Terry Glenn at wide receiver, and you know, the, uh, Matt Finkus, Matt Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, excuse me, on the defensive line, and Sean Springs, and and Antoine Winfield in the backfield, in the defensive backfield. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that's some pretty, just like Michigan, set some pretty damn good teams through the years. Our guest on the show today here on our Visitors Edition has been Tim May, formerly of the Columbus Dispatch, now has his own podcast, uh, the Tim May Podcast, and it's excellent. So check it out wherever you get your podcasts from. Tim, we thank you as always. Uh, great to have you on the show, and uh, we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. You got it, man. Always a pleasure, my friend. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, as we said the last few weeks, we are in great shape for the game on Saturday. Safety Brad Hawkins' status is not known, but other than that, we are at full strength. Here are a few game day notes. We lead this series with 58 wins against 51 losses, and there have been six ties. 
Michigan won the first game played between these two teams, 34 to nothing. That was played on October 26, 1897 here in Ann Arbor. We remember last year, we were favored down in Columbus and got lit up 62-39. Ryan Day is in his first full year as head man down there, and his record is 14-0. Last year, Ohio State finished the season 13-1. They beat Washington in the Rose Bowl 28-23, and they finished the year ranked number three in the country. The weatherman says it will be in the mid to upper 30s on Saturday with light freezing rain and drizzle, so if you're headed to the game, dress appropriately. So it is finally here. I'm tired of hearing how good this Ohio State team is and how it's not a rivalry anymore. I guess they don't teach history at The Ohio State University. Uh, We hold the advantage in this series. Yes, we've lost 16 of the last 18, but I'm hoping and praying this is the year the tide turns and we just shut these guys up. One victory could do that, you know. It will no doubt take a great effort from us, better than we've seen all year. It is possible, though. Young men can rise to the occasion in big games. It has happened before, and it can happen again in the big house this Saturday. Think victory, beat Ohio State. I am just sick of losing to these guys, so let's hope that when the sun sets over the hole that Yost dug this Saturday evening, we are celebrating what would be an epic and program-changing win. That does it for this week. Again, happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!